Well, everybody, it is that time where our journey is going to come to an end. We are finally reading our last chapter. Let's go ahead and get this thing started. When we neared the house, the dull glow of a kerosene lamp was shining faintly from the boys' room. You suppose they already know? Christopher John asked breathlessly as we ran up the lawn. Don't know about that, I said, but they know we ain't where we're supposed to be. We ran noisily up onto the porch and flung open the unlatched door. Mama and Big Ma standing with Mr. Morrison near the front, near the foot of the bed, turned as we entered, and Big Ma cried, Lord, there they is. Where you been? Mama demanded, her face strangely stricken. What do you mean running around out there this time of night? Before we could answer either question, Papa appeared in the doorway, dressed, his wide leather strap in hand. Papa, I began, where's Stacy? He, he down at TJ's. Papa, that boy's gone mighty grown, Papa said, clearly angry. I'm going to teach all of y'all about traipsing off in the middle of the night, and especially Stacy. He should know better. If Mr. Morrison hadn't seen this door open, I suppose you would have thought you was getting away with something like TJ. Well, y'all going to learn right here and now there ain't going to be no TJ's in this house. But, Papa, they hurt Claude, Christopher John cried, tears streaming down his cheeks for his injured friend. And TJ, too, echoed little man, trembling. What? Papa asked, his eyes narrowing. What y'all talking about? Papa, they hurt him real bad, and, and I could not finish. Papa came to me and took my face in his hands. What is it, Cassie girl? Tell me. Everything. I poured out everything about TJ's breaking into the mercantile with the Simpsons, about his coming in the night fleeing the Simpsons, about the coming of the men and what they had done to the Averys, about Mr. Jameson and the threat of the men to come to the house to get him and Mr. Morrison. And Stacy's still down there? Papa asked when I had finished. Yes, sir, but he hid in the forest. They don't know he's there. Papa spun around suddenly. Gotta get him out of there, he said, moving quicker than I had thought possible with his bad leg. Mama followed him into their room, and the boys and I followed her. From over the bed, Papa pulled his shotgun. David, not with a shotgun. You can't stop them like that. Got no other way, he said, stuffing a box of shells into his shirt pocket. You fire on them, and they'll hang you for sure. They'd like nothing better. If I don't, they'll hang TJ. This thing's been coming a long time, baby, and TJ just happened to be the one foolish enough to trigger it. But fool or not, I can't just sit by and let them kill the boy. And if they find Stacy, I know, David, I know, but there's got to be some other way. Some way that they won't kill you, too. Seems like they might be planning to do that anyway, Papa said, turning from her. They come here, no telling what'll happen, and I'll use every bullet I got before I let them hurt anybody in this house. Mama grabbed his arm. Get Harlan Granger to stop it. If he says so, they'll go on home. Papa shook his head. Them's cars had to come right past his house to get to the Avery's. And if he intended to stop them, he'd stop them without telling him so. Then, said Mama, force him to stop it. How? asked Papa dryly. Hold a gun to his head? He left, for, he left her then, going back into the boys' room. You coming, Mr. Morrison? Mr. Morrison nodded and followed Papa onto the porch, a rifle in his hand. Like a cat, Mama sprang after them and grabbed Papa again. David, don't. Don't use the gun. Papa stared out as a bolt of lightning splintered the night into a dazzling brilliance. 
The wind was blowing softly, gently toward the east. Perhaps he started, then was quiet. David, Papa touched Mama's face tenderly with the tips of his fingers and said, I'll do what I have to do, Mary, and so will you. Then he turned from her and with Mr. Morrison disappeared into the night. Mama pushed us back into her room where Big Ma fell upon her knees and prayed a powerful prayer. Afterward, both Mama and Big Ma changed their clothes. Then we sat, very quiet, as the heat crept sticky and wet through our clothing and the thunder banged menacingly overhead. Mama, her knuckles tight against her skin as she gripped the arms of of her chair, looked down upon Christopher John and Little Man and me, our eyes wide awake with fear. I don't suppose it would do any good to put you to bed, she said quietly. We looked up at her. She did not mean to have an answer. We have none. And nothing else was said as the night minutes crept past and waiting pressed as heavily upon us as the heat. Then Mama stiffened. She sniffed the air and got up. What is it, child? Big Ma asked. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. So... Cassie, Christopher, John, and little man made it to the house, and everybody knew that they were gone because Mr. Morrison found the door open. And, of course, Papa's all angry, like, what are you guys doing out in the middle of the night? You guys are acting like TJ, blah, blah, blah. And then Cassie finally let everything out. She said everything from the robbery to the Avery family getting kicked out to Mr. Jameson coming, everything. And now Papa got his gun and he said he was going to go do something about it to go save Stacy. And to even do something about those men coming and tearing up the Avery family. So Mama is just really, really not wanting Papa to use a, a gun. And it seemed like she got through to him, but he still brought the gun with him. Let's see what's happening now. You smell smoke, Mama said, going to the front door and opening it. Little man, Christopher John, and I followed, peeping around her in the doorway. From deep in the field where the land sloped upward toward the Granger Forest, a fire billowed, carried eastward by the wind. Mama, the cotton, I cried. It's on fire. Oh, good Lord, Big Mama exclaimed, hurrying to join us. That lightning done that? If it reaches those trees, it'll burn everything from here to strawberry, Mama said. She turned quickly and ran across the room to the side door. Stay here, she ordered, opening the door and fleeing across the yard to the barn. Mama, you'd better get some water, she yelled over her shoulder. Big Ma hurried into the kitchen with Christopher John, Little Man, and me at her heels. What we gonna do, Big Ma? I asked. Big Ma stepped onto the back porch and brought in the wash tub and began filling it with water. We gotta fight that fire and try and stop it for it reached reach them trees. Stand back now out the way so y'all don't get wet. In a few minutes, Mama returned her arms loaded with sacks of burlap. She quickly threw the sacks into the water and ran back out again. When she returned, she carried two shovels and several more sacks. Mama, what you gonna do with all that? asked Little Man. It's for fighting the fire, she replied hastily. Oh, said Little Man grabbing for one of the shovels as I started to take the other. No, Mama said, you're going to stay here. Big Ma straightened from where she was, bent, dunking the sacks into the water. Mary, child, you don't think it'd be better to take them with us? Mama studied us closely and bit her lower lip. She was silent for several moments. Then she shook her head. 
Can't anyone get to the house from the Grangers without seeing without our seeing them. I'd rather they stay here than risk them near the fire. Then she charged each of us, a strange glint in her eyes. Cassie, Christopher John, Claynchester, hear me good. I don't want you near that fire. You set one foot from this house and I'm going to skin you alive. Do you hear me now? We nodded solemnly. Yes, ma'am, mamma. And stay inside. That lightning's dangerous. But, mamma, cried Christopher John, y'all going out there in that lightning? It can't be helped, baby, she said. The fire's got to be stopped. Then she and Big Ma laid the shovels across the top of the tub and each took a handle of it. As they stepped out the back door, Mama looked back at us, her eyes uncertain as if she did not want to leave us. Y'all be sure to mind now, ordered Big Ma gruffly, and the two of them carrying the heavy tub crossed the yard toward the garden. From the garden, they would cut through the south pasture and up where the cotton blazed. We watched until they were swallowed by the blackness that lay between the house and the fire then dashed back to the front porch where the view was clear. There we gazed, transfixed, as the flames gobbled the cotton and crept dangerously near the forest edge. That fire, Cassie, said Christopher John. It gonna burn us up? No, it's going the other way, toward the forest. Then it's gonna burn up the trees, said Christopher John, sadly. Little man tugged at my arm. Papa and Stacy and Mr. Morrison, Cassie, they in them trees. Then... Iron-willed little man began to cry, and Christopher John, too, and the three of us huddled together all alone. Man, there is a lot going on right now. So, Papa just went, Papa and Mr. Morrison just went to go help Stacy and the Avery family. Now, Mama smells smoke, and they look outside, and the field is being burnt, and it's going towards the forest. Now, if you think about it, like what all the children just noticed, Stacy is in the trees and he could get burnt. Now, Mama told them they have to stay home and Mama and Big Ma just left them home alone during this horrible storm and all of these events happening. Let's keep reading. Hey, y'all all right? I gazed out into the night, seeing nothing but the gray smoke and the red trim of the fire in the east. Who's that? It's me, said Jeremy Sims, running up the lawn. Jeremy, what you doing out this time of night? I questioned, taken aback to see him. It ain't night no more, Cassie. It's near dawn. But what you doing here, repeated little man with a sniffle. I was sleeping up in my tree like I always do. On a night like this, I exclaimed, boy, you are crazy. Jeremy looked rather shamefaced and shrugged. Well, anyway, I was, and I smelled smoke. I knew it was coming from this away, and I was afraid it was y'all's place. So I run in and told my pa, and him and me, we come up on, we come on up here over an hour ago. You mean you been out there fighting that fire? Jeremy nodded. My pa and R.W. and Melvin, too. R.W. and Melvin? Little man Christopher John and I exclaimed together. But they was... I poked Christopher John into silence. Yeah, they got there for us, and there was a, there's a whole lot of men from the town out there, too. He looked puzzled. I wonder what they all was doing out there. How bad is it? I asked, ignoring his wonderings. It get much of the cotton? Jeremy nodded absently. Funny thing, that fire come up from that lightning and struck one of them wooden fence posts. I reckon and sparked that cotton. Must have burned a good quarter of it. Y'all lucky it ain't headed this way. But the trees, said Christopher John, 
It's going to get the trees, ain't it? Jeremy looked out across the field, shielding his eyes against the brilliance of the fire. They try and like everything to stop it. Your papa and Mr. Granger, they got... Papa? You seen papa? He all right? cried Christopher John breathlessly. Jeremy nodded, looking down at him strangely. Yeah, he's fine. And Stacy, you seen him? inquired little man. Again, Jeremy nodded. Yeah, he out there too. Little man, Christopher John and I glanced at each other, relieved just a bit, and Jeremy went on, though eyeing us somewhat suspiciously. Your papa and Mr. Granger, they got the men digging a deep trench across that slope, and they say they're going to burn that pasture grass from the trench back to the cotton. You think that'll stop it? I asked. Jeremy stared blankly at the fire and shook his head. Don't know, he said finally. Sure hope so, though. There was a violent clap of thunder and lightning flooded the field. One thing would sure help this is if that old rain would only come on down. All four of us looked up at the sky and waited a minute for the rain to fall. When nothing happened, Jeremy turned and sighed. I better begin back now. Miss Logan said she left y'all here, so I just come to see about you. Then he ran down the slope, waving back at us as he went. When he got to the road, he stopped suddenly and stood very still. Then he put out his hands, hesitated a moment, and spun around wildly as if he were mad. It's raining, y'all, he cried. That old rain a-coming down. Little man Christopher John and I jumped from the porch and ran barefooted onto the lawn, feeling the rain fine and cool upon our faces, and we laughed, whooping joyously into the thundering night, forgetting for the moment that we still did not know what had happened to TJ. All right, well, something's turning around for the good for these people. So the lightning struck onto the cotton field, and it started a fire. And a couple hours later, Jeremy shows up to the Logan farm, and the three kids are like, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I was in my treehouse. And yes, he was in his treehouse when there was a horrible storm and lightning, may, may I mention. And he, was, he said he was in his treehouse, and he smelled smoke. So his whole family, even R.W. and Melvin, look at that, went to go figure out where the smoke was. And now they are, there are a whole bunch of people helping put out the fire. And then Jeremy said, well, I saw your dad. And they also asked about Stacy, and they saw Stacy. But we aren't sure what's going on with TJ and the Avery family. Hopefully we'll find out in this next part. Oh, by the way. The rain has come, and that will help the land get to, I guess, the blaze going down a little bit. Let's keep reading. When the dawn came peeping yellow-gray and suited over the horizon, the fire was out and the thunderstorm had shifted eastward after an hour of heavy rain. I stood up, stiffly, my eyes tearing from the acrid smoke, and looked out across the cotton to the slope, barely visible in the smogish dawn. Near the slope where once cotton stalks had stood, their brown balls popping with tiny puffs of cotton, the land was charred, desolate, black, still steaming from the night. I wanted to go and take a closer look, but for once Christopher John would not budge. No, he repeated over and over again. I ain't going. But what Mama meant was that she didn't want us near the fire, and it's out now. 
Christopher John set his lips firmly together, folded his plump arms across his chest, and was adamant. When I saw that he would not be persuaded, I gazed again at the field and decided that I could not wait any longer. Okay, you stay here then. We'll be right back. Ignoring his protest, Little Man and I ran down to the wet road. He really ain't coming, said Little Man, amazed, looking back over his shoulder. I guess not, I said, searching for signs of the fire and the cotton. Farther up the road, and the farther up the road, the stalks were singed, and fine gray ash of the fire lay thick upon them, and the road and the forest trees. When we reached the burnout section of the field, we surveyed the destruction. As far as we could see, the fire line had extended midway up the slope, but had been stopped at the trench. The old oak was untouched, moving across the field slowly, mechanically, as if sleepwalking. It was a flood of man- men and women dumping shovels of dirt on the fire patches, which refused to die. They wore wide handkerchiefs over their faces, and many wore hats, making it difficult to identify who was who. But it was obvious that the ranks of the firefighters had swelled from the two dozen townsmen to include nearby farmers. I recognized Mr. Lanier by his floppy blue hat working side by side with Mr. Sims, each oblivious of the other, and Papa near the slope waving orders to two of the townsmen. Mr. Granger hammering down smoldering stalks with the flat of his shovel was near the south pasture where Mr. Morrison and Mama were swatting the burning ground. Near the fence, a stocky man, masked like the others, searched the field in robot fashion for hidden fire under the charred skeletons of broken stalks. When he reached the fence, he leaned tiredly against it, taking off his handkerchief to wipe the sweat and soot from his face. He coughed and looked around blankly. His eyes fell on Little Man and me staring up at him. But Caleb Wallace seemed not to recognize us, and after a moment, he picked up his shovel and started back toward the slope without a word. Then Little Man nudged me. Look over there, Cassie. There go Mama and Big Ma. I followed his pointing finger. Mama and Big Ma were headed home across the field. Come on, I said, sprinting back up the road. When we reached the house, we dragged our feet across the wet lawn to clean them and rejoined Christopher John on the porch. He looked a bit frightened sitting there all alone and was obviously glad we were back. Y'all all right? He asked. Of course we're all right, I said, plopping on the porch and trying to catch my breath. what it look like? Before either little man or I could answer, Mama and Big Ma emerged from the field with Stacy the sacks now blackened remnants in their hands. We ran to them eagerly. Stacy, you all right? I cried. What about TJ? And Claude, stammered Christopher John. And little man asked, Papa and Mr. Morrison, ain't they coming? Mama held up her hand wearily. Babies, babies. Then she put her arm around Christopher John. Claude's fine, honey. And she said, looking down at little man, Papa and Mr. Morrison, they'll be coming soon. But TJ, Mama, I persisted, what about TJ? Mama sighed and sat down on the steps, laying the sacks on the ground. The boys and I sat beside her. I'm going to go on in and change, Mary, Big Ma said, climbing the steps and opening our bedroom door. Miss Fanny going to need somebody. Mama nodded. Tell her I'll be down soon as I get the children to bed and things straightened out here. Then she turned and looked down at little man, Christopher, John, and me, eager to know what had happened. She smiled slightly, but there was no happiness in it. TJ's all right. The sheriff and Mr. Jameson took him into Strawberry. But why, Mama? asked little man. He done something bad? They think he did, baby. They think he did. Then, then they didn't hurt him no more, I asked. 
Stacy looked across at Mama to see if she intended to answer. Then his voice hollow and strained. He said, Mr. Granger stopped them and sent them up to fight the fire. I sensed that there was more, but before I could ask what, Christopher John piped, and, and Papa and Mr. Morrison, they didn't have to fight them old men? They didn't have to use the guns? Thank the Lord, no, said Mama. They didn't. The fire come up, said Stacy, and Mr. Morrison come and got me, and then the men come down here to fight the fire, and didn't nobody have to fight nobody. Mr. Morrison come get you alone, I asked, puzzled. Where was Papa? Stacy again looked at Mama, and for a moment they were both silent. Then Stacy said, Y'all know he couldn't make that slope with that bad leg of his. I looked at him suspiciously. I'd seen Papa move on that leg. He could have made the slope if he wanted to. All right now, Mama said, rising. It's been a long, tiring night, and it's time you all were in bed. I reached for her arm. Mama, how bad is it, really? I mean, is there enough cotton left to pay the taxes? Mama looked at me oddly. Since when did you start worrying about taxes? I shrugged, then leaned closer toward her, wanting an answer, yet afraid to hear it. The taxes will get paid, don't you worry, was all the answer she gave. Now let's get to bed. But I want to wait for Papa and Mr. Morrison, protested little man. Me too, yawned Christopher John. Inside, all of us went in but Stacy, and Mama did not make him. But as soon as she had disappeared into the boys' room to make sure little man and Christopher John got to bed, I returned to the porch and sat behind him, beside him. I thought you went to bed, he said. I want to know what happened over there. I told you, Mr. Granger, I come and got Papa and Mr. Morrison like you asked, I reminded him. Now I want to know everything that happened after I left. Stacy sighed and rubbed his left temple absently, as if his head were hurting. Ain't much happened, except that Mr. Jameson tried talking to them men some more, and after a bit they pushed him out of the way and stuffed TJ into one of their cars. But Mr. Jameson, he jumped into his car and lit out ahead of them and drove up to Mr. Granger's and swung his car smack across the road so he could so couldn't nobody get past him. Then he starts laying on his horn. You go over there? He nodded. By the time I got across the field to where I could hear what was going on, Mr. Granger was standing on his porch, and Mr. Jameson was telling him that the sheriff or nobody else was about to stop a hanging on that flimsy message he'd sent up to the Averys. But Mr. Granger, he just stood there on his porch, looking sleepy and bored, and finally he told the sheriff, Hank, you take care of this. That's what folks elected you for. Then, Caleb Wallace, he leaves out of his car and tries to grab Mr. Jameson's keys, but Mr. Jameson threw them keys right into Mr. Granger's flower bed and couldn't nobody find them. So Melvin and R.W. come up and pushed Mr. Jameson's car off the road. Then them cars was about to take off again when Mr. Granger comes running off the porch, hollering like he's lost his mind. There's smoke coming from my forest yonder, he yells. Dry as that timber is, a fire catch, hold it, won't stop burning for a week. Give that boy to Wade like he wants to, like he wants and get on up there. And folks started running all over the place for shovels and things. Then all of them cut down, cut back down the road to the Averys and threw them woods over to our place. And that's when Mr. Morrison come got you? Stacy nodded. He found me when I followed them men back up to the woods. I sat very still, listening to the soft sounds of the early morning, my eyes on the field. There was something which I still did not understand. Stacy nodded toward the road. Here come Papa and Mr. Morrison. 
They were walking with slow, exhausted steps toward the drive. All right, I'm going to stop there. So, this story gets crazier and crazier by the minute. So, all the kids went to bed except for Cassie, and she said, I did what you told me to do, Stacy. so you're going to tell me every single little detail. Now, I'm going to not say the whole detailed story, but you can go back and listen to it. But pretty much... When the after we last saw the Avery family, they were getting beaten up pretty badly, and finally, they just pushed aside the Wallaces. Just pushed aside Mr. Jameson that was trying to stop it. They took TJ, took them in his car, and they were starting to drive away. And Mr. Jameson got in his car, put his lights on, and started honking toward the Granger's house. And Mr. Granger said. Sheriff, why don't you just do what you're supposed to do and take care of the situation? And he was just out on his porch watching. So they kept doing what they were going to do. They moved Mr. Jameson's car. They got in their car, and they were about to leave away with TJ. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Granger starts going crazy. And he said, there is smoke on my forest, on my field. We need to go do something about this. So... There still seems to be some sort of missing detail because Mr. Morrison came and got Stacy, but where is Papa? I think you know what I'm thinking on where Papa is. We are going to finish this book on the part two of chapter 12. See y'all on the other side.